You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Autumn, and we are on episode 74 of the Am Writing Fantasy podcast. And today we have a special guest, as Jesper hinted last week. The women have come to take over the Am Writing Fantasy podcast again, and we've booted Jesper off and given him a bit of a break <laughs> for today. And I have with me Kirsten. Kirsten Oliphant, who is the author of over 15 books in different genres and the host of the Create If Writing podcast, which she started in 2015, way back before podcasting became the cool thing to do. So her goal is to help authors learn to sell more books without being smarmy. Hi, Kirsten. Kirsten, I'm going to get it right yet. (laughs) You don't have to. It's totally one of those names. And hey, we're talking about names today, which is... (laughs) I mean, it's just perfect. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm so happy. And yes, it is amazing. So you have 15 books. I already looked at your profile on Amazon. And of course, you we're going to talk about pen names, but I love the fact that you, you're not even subtle about it. You list it right in your bio. Oh, I'm also this person and right under this name yep. as well. Yep. And you have all these wonderful books. So tell us a little bit about your books and how you started writing. It's always fun to hear. Sure. Well, I've been writing, I mean, since forever. You know, I know some people pick up writing later and some earlier, but I was writing, I mean, I wrote my first novel in like third grade. Yes, it was terrible, but like, you know, it had dialogue and stuff. Like it, you know, it was like a solid, you know, D effort, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's uh, sophisticated dialogue well, in third grade. When you read good. a lot, yes, yeah. you read a lot, you just pick things up. And I think, you know, it was really instinctive for me. And so, uh, you know, I kept writing throughout. I wasn't sure that I was necessarily going to be a writer, but I did keep writing throughout. I wrote a bunch of half novels in junior high, you know, never really finished anything, but mm-hmm. just did a lot of writing. I went to school. Um, college, English major, you know, lots of papers. I took creative writing, but you know, it's kind of hard to get into those kinds of classes and they only really have like two, you know, so I took (laughs) part one and part two of that and loved it. And my um, professor really encouraged me to look into MFA programs, which I hadn't thought about. And so um, I didn't, I went and worked at a church doing youth ministry. And then um, a couple of years later, when I got married, I started thinking again about writing and just really how I had stopped and I missed it. And so I did apply and got into an MFA program and, you know, went and we moved across the country. We're in Texas now. I grew up in Virginia, Texas. Now we went to North Carolina uh, for two years, which is amazing. A really small program at UNC Greensboro. Mm, um, and it was, area. yeah, it was, it was just so much fun and really got, uh, you know, it's a very literary program, which is so funny that I'm, I feel like I'm all, I'm on like the total opposite end now, like the <laughs> bastard child of my MFA program now writing genre fiction. But um, it's really given me, I feel like I've had a really broad variety of experiences with writing and can really understand, you know, kind of the traditional perspective, the indie perspective. Um, and I just love writing. I love story. And so, you know, I'll probably go back to literary stuff that's well more literary. I mean, I, it's not like, I don't know, genre fiction is not that's not 
literary. It's not that it's not good writing. It's just a totally different kind of craft, um, I think. But anyway, I appreciate both. And so that's kind of, uh, you know, how I got here. I graduated and then started having kids. So like for like 10 years, (laughs) I could not process novel stuff. So I got this degree and then was like, oh, never mind. Let's have a bunch of babies. And I did blogging for a while. Um, and professional, you know, like made money blogging. And so I figured out, um, social media and, and uh, was really active in all those kinds of things. And so, uh, when it came to, uh, time to feel, feel like I really wanted to write books again, it, I had this advantage of sort of knowing the landscape and author platform came pretty easily to me because it was something I was already doing with blogging. It was just kind of putting a different hat on. So that's kind of the roundabout way of how I, I got here and started the podcast teaching other people. Cause I think I enjoy platform and it was something I knew how to do, but I think a lot of authors and creative people don't like it. It feels like icky. And so my goal is to kind of reframe that conversation and make it feel less icky. Like we should r- like writing more, but it's okay to also like Twitter or, or Facebook or email lists. <laughs> well, I get that because I absolutely, I was gone through your website and I'm one of those folks who I still don't I still, I mean, I understand the voice part and everything else, but I just prefer to read it. I learn better by reading it, not by hearing it. And so I absolutely love your Creative Write platform because you have blog posts on everything. And I'm like, oh, I could read this. And it's not that I don't like video or voice or sound, but I just like to read things, even yeah, so it's Absolutely. just really cool. And I and like for podcasts to have, yeah, all my podcasts have full show notes, like a blog post. Um, because I know there are people out there who still want the content, but we all consume content differently. And, you know, that actually helps me. Like I kind of, before I sit down to record, I write out the blog post and then I speak sort of conversation. I don't read it or anything, but I kind of have the blog post in front of me. So it's like helpful to speak conversationally on the podcast. And I already know what I'm going to say. But for those people who want to read and also for like SEO purposes to get actual mm. traffic on my blog, those meaty blog posts really help. <laughs> yeah, um, I bet. Yeah. No, that's great. And yeah, you have some stuff in there. I noticed that was even like uh, marketing for authors who don't like marketing. And <laughs> it's a very helpful, friendly thing. So those are great tips. And I know you recently, I think it was episode 169. So very, fairly recently, I mean, you talked about pen names. So it's already kind of covered it a bit. So we're going to go over it a little bit again. But you have, so you're writing in three different names, you have your real name, and then yes. two pen names. And why did you do that? Well, really, it kind of came down to the marketing and and not being um, muddy and unclear about what I was writing. So I started out... Um, you know, the first books I published were nonfiction. I had a couple devotional books and then um, was writing marketing books. I have an email book, which is actually down because I'm updating it. I'm about to re-release it um, on email marketing for authors. And then I have one on collaborating with other people and creative ways. Um, And I had one on blogging, but I took it down because blogging has changed so much. I just was like, I don't want to update this every six (laughs) months when like something dies, you know, and they take away a social media platform. Um, And I just got tired of updating that because I'd have people People email me like this isn't true anymore. I'm like, yeah, yeah, and you're right. And I don't have time to update this 3.99 book over here that sells a couple copies. Um, but when I started thinking about writing fiction again, it really, um, you know, I hadn't ever really thought about pen names, but I started uh, just seeing how for different genres, and I really love reading a lot of genres. I'm one of those people mm-hmm. that's all over the place. How it might be really confusing 
if you're going to look at an author and you may, you know, you may have had this experience or anyone listening where you go and check out an author and you see all these different kinds of book covers and you just kind of, it's a, it's like a disquieting feeling because you're not sure what exactly it's signaling. Like, what can I expect? And that's the thing that pen names really help do. Um, when you're separating out the different genres, it's setting that reader expectation. So it's incredibly clear. And, you know, there are people like, you know, Stephen King, he can do whatever he wants because it's Stephen King. Um, but we're <laughs> mostly not there yet. And there are some people I know who write different genres all under the same name. And it works to varying degrees, but especially when you're starting out, which I was putting out fiction, um, you know, it really, it, it really is muddy and it really makes things unclear for readers. And so I didn't necessarily want people to go look and be like, oh, I love this book. Let's see what else she wrote. Oh, a book on email lists. I don't even know what that is, you know? <laughs> and so that's just kind of how it started. I know some people do this for, um, you know, like maybe you're writing something, you know, like erotica and your, you know, husband's a youth pastor like mine was, which yeah. that's not what I write. But, you know, that would be a reason where you don't want your name attached to it. So for some people, it is really about that privacy issue. But for me, it was much more about marketing. And, you know, whichever way you're doing it, it's fine. Um, but yeah, there's a couple different reasons why you might choose a pen name. Yeah, I've always, I looked at it because I write in, I was going to say two different genres, but you're right when you throw in the nonfiction. So I write in three genres as well. And mostly I've always put it all my fictional writing under just the name I go by, Autumn Burt. So that is sort of my brand. And I always figured if my brand was true, which is very fast paced, kind of action oriented stories, whether it's fantasy, and I also do some post apocalyptic kind of dystopian. Yeah. So whether I writing in one of those, I just figured my audience is technically the age bracket is the same. It is um, still the same kind of really well developed characters and action. So I figured it was all the same. But you're right. I mean, in some ways, the covers are very different. And my readers, I have, it's probably split into thirds. I have a third or like hardcore fantasy. Please, I never want to see anything with a gun. I have the other third who are like, please, if nothing is exploding by, you know, something with TNT, I do never want to read it. There's no such thing as magic. And then I have a third who just like the way I write and they're there. But there's definitely some people who are not into the crossover. And it's, it's not as clear cut as I was hoping when I did it. And again, but you're right. I my nonfiction, the writing I do with my husband, that's under my married name of Autumn Raven. And I just wanted that clear cut. Like yeah. this is something that is totally different. There's the magic is all in your heart and not in um, you know, blowing things up. Yeah. And you'd hope, like, I mean, my dream, I think all of us would love for our audience to love our words enough and love our style and our voice enough that they would go anywhere we go. And that's mm -hmm. the goal. But I, th and I think you build that over time, that group of super fans, but it's, it's a smaller subset of the people who read your books, right? Absolutely. People read your books and they may read all of them, but they may not all be super fans. And I do have, you know, especially like on day one of launch, you know, if my also bots kind of pop up and I haven't had a long pre-order, I might see one of my nonfiction books, like in the also <laughs> bots, or, you know, I write clean romance and urban fantasy, young adult urban fantasy. And so sometimes those first couple days and either of those, I'll see those pop up. And I really don't want that. That's the other thing that kind of can make it money is I want my also bots to show. I mean, if Amazon is at that point, they're showing those, which right now for me, it's like a mixed bag. Like sometimes you'll yeah. go on the Amazon page and you'll see, um, 
the customers have also read or also bought. Right now I'm seeing books you may like, which is super annoying because it's showing me all my own books because I'm <laughs> look, like checking ranks all the time. So I'm like, I know I like them. I wrote them, but I don't want to buy them, you know? Um, yeah. But I do want that to be pretty clear for readers as well when they're going up. Because if they're going and they buy one of my urban fantasy books and then they look and see a clean romance cover, that's, you know, maybe there's some crossover, but th those two, especially the two genres I'm writing under, there's not a ton of crossover because the clean romance crowd is, it, there's a variety there too, but some of them are, um, there's a heavy influence of like Christian readers and some of them don't want magic at all. And right. so when you go into <laughs> urban fantasy and I'm like, there's witches and vampires and, um, oh, yeah. and for me, the steam level is kind of the same. Like my goal is not, I, I don't really have sex on the page in any of my books. I, I'm, I don't really have um, language in any of my books, and which is actually a real struggle in the, the young adult urban fantasy because in my head, I, I can sometimes hear, I'm like, this is what they'd say, but I don't want to put that. And that's just my own personal. There's nothing wrong. I mean, again, I read all over the board, right? But right. for what I want to put out, that's just kind of the line I've drawn. And Absolutely. so it makes me have to work harder. But if, you know, if my clean romance people come over, I think they'll be pleasantly surprised. And some of them have, and some of them have written me and said like, I never thought I would like a book about this. Um, but, you know, there's also some romance elements in my urban fantasy as well, which I know is like a, you know, debate, hot debate over in the urban <laughs> fantasy land. So mine will always have, I think, some kind of romance in them, but it's not going to, it's not going to be the main uh, part of the story necessarily. Yeah. And I think that's definitely, I mean, it's your writing style, what you're interested in writing, and again, your brand and your platform. So those are things that are going to cross genres, no matter what you do. I mean, how you develop characters, it's, they're all going to be solid. There's going to be some, I think I read somewhere, someone did it in a review and said the the familiar hand of this author. Mm. And oh, I'm like, that's a good, yeah, that's such a good way to say that, yes, no matter where we stick ourselves, we're probably going to have some kind of resonance and pacing that is very familiar. And that's what we're trying to sell our readers on and hopefully bring them across genres. But that is, it is fun. So when you, you did this very purposely, you knew you were going to start writing in a different genre and you set up a yeah. whole different platform. I mean, do you, did you go as far as websites? If someone was going to do this and they said, I, I write specifically in this, but I'm going to go ahead and write in a different genre. What are the, the things that you would warn them about or tell them at least to think about before they, they jump into something? Well, for me, um, you know, given that none of us have a lot of time, right? And <laughs> I've got five kids at home, things are crazy. Oh it's, I didn't have a lot of time to build a lot of platform. But what I found is that, um, you know, I kind of pared it down to the bare basics. Like what, for me, what is the cornerstone of an author platform? And for me, that's an email list, because that is where you're going to sell the most of your books. It's where you're going to most personally connect with your fans in a way that is more permanent, right? Like, so some authors may be more active on Facebook, whether that's in a group or a page, they might be more active on Instagram or some other platform, but you don't own those connections, right? Instagram and Facebook do. They control um, how you interact where email, you actually have their email. You can print it out on a CSV, like, you know, <laughs> spreadsheet thing and hold it in your hand. It's yours. Oh. So email is so important. So that's always kind of where I start. Um, and then I do have URLs, like I do have websites and, but I don't put a lot into it because really they, I think in this day and age, like I, I just don't see a ton of readers caring about your author website. I just don't. And, um, you know, I, I'm not trying for like a traditional platform deal. I'm not trying to like impress some publisher somewhere with, with how many page views I get a month. And, and really because I came from the blogging world and knew how 
I know how to grow a blog. I know how to do SEO, all that, but I also know how much work it takes. And for me, the return is not huge. I would rather just send people to Amazon and have them Mm -hmm. buy my books. I don't need a middleman. Now, if you're, um, you know, trying to do a lot of affiliate sales with Amazon, you know, you might want to send them to your website or if you're selling direct, you might be selling like literally from your website. But if you're just doing the bare bones basics, you don't need that. So I did buy the URL, but I actually for um, the first pen name, I was thinking I might do more blogging, but then I, I, you know, really didn't. Um, Cause who has time for that? Like I don't have time <laughs> to do blogging and also write a bunch of books. Um, so when I came and started the second pen name under Sullivan Gray for the urban fantasy, I got the URL, um, which, you know, I, I think it's good to look those things up, right? You don't want to have another author with that name. Um, there's a series, I think, actually with that name, but not an author. But I did get the URL and then have it, I had it redirect to um, a landing page from MailerLite, which is the email that I use. And so if people go to my author website, it's really just a landing page. And I think I will build it out a bit, but I've sold a bunch of books without it. So I don't, you know, it's not a priority. The priority to me was growing an email list. I do have a Facebook page, uh, so I can run ads Mm -hmm. and, uh, I like Facebook groups, although, you know, it is hard to put a lot into, I mean, groups, especially to get them off the ground. It takes a lot of you being involved and starting conversations. I do believe in Facebook groups. It's a really great way to be close to your audience. And so I have one of those for each, but you know, I'm not, um, I'm not able to really be all that active because I also have a a very active group for my podcast. So you really have to think about your bandwidth and and your ultimate. I'm all about the ROI, like your return on investment of time and money. What is going to sell books? What is going to help you connect long-term with readers who are going to stick with you? And for me, that's email and then having Mm -hmm. books sold on Amazon. And again, I do use Facebook ads. And so the pages were important, but I did not... um, you know, there's a lot of different schools on how to do Facebook ads, but I've had success with ads with pages that are tiny. So you don't necessarily even have to build a big page because you can target other people. I I am almost never targeting the people who like my page. I'm targeting other people's pages. So, So if you have a, you know, Facebook page of a couple hundred people, that's fine. You know, you can still make money with Facebook ads. You can still sell books. Um, because Facebook really does make it a lot harder now to grow, a page and it's a lot more work. Yeah. And, and again, uh, what what is the least amount of work I can do on things that don't, you know, bring in a big return, right? So that's my goal because I've got too many balls in the air to spend a lot of time blogging if no one's reading it or if it's not selling books. So I, I think you can absolutely do the bare bones minimum, something to run ads on, um, some kind of like main hub where people can reach you. And then your email list is really where I'd put most of the time. Yeah. And do you so you have for each of your genres and each of your pen names, a different mailing list, you never combine them or cross them. Okay. Yeah, I don't. And I do. um, You know, because my my um, there is some crossover again, like I do every so often mention to my, you know, to fiction lists, like, oh, by the way, you know, I have this. If you, <laughs> if you like reading about vampires, like head over here, or if you really like romance, you know, you might enjoy these books. Um, or, you know, hey, if you're an author, just in case you're an author, because there are a lot of, re- you know, authors, oh, yeah. readers, um, you know, I've got this podcast thing going on. And so I do mention <laughs> it every so often. Um, but I even have the, um, I have the two fiction, uh, lists over on mailer light and then i also use convert kit which i use for my nonfiction because i'm doing a lot more complicated things with my nonfiction. you know i yes. sell i used to do a lot more like workshops and webinars and courses and so it, it matters a lot more if you can 
use some of the advanced features when you're really trying to separate out. And MailerLite does a good job with those things for the price, but ConvertKit is so much smoother and easier for all of that. And so, yeah, my nonfiction list hangs out over there. And then I've got the two fiction lists in MailerLite. Yeah. We do the exact same thing. I, I have MailerLite for my fiction lists and ConvertKit for the Am Writing Fantasy. Awesome. And <laughs> I agree. It's just, I, I absolutely adore MailerLite's um, way of being able to put together a newsletter, actually. And I, I keep looking at ConvertKit going, please come to the 21st century. Please. Oh, see, I'm the, opposite. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I don't like the fancy emails. And so even in <laughs> MailerLite, I'm doing like the very bare bones because I don't oh. care. Like when I when something hits my inbox, I don't care. I don't oh, care what yeah. it looks like. It's just really about the content, but everybody's really different. And so, you know, I don't think ConvertKit will ever go there. I think that's their whole platform, <laughs> but, but I'm there for the features and, you know, not necessarily having like a pretty background or whatever. Yeah, I think I like to do in my newsletters a lot of um, interactions and questions and polls. And ConvertKit mm. does n not that I've found has does not make that easy when you're talking to your fiction list and wanting to do a little poll on, you know, which character is your favorite. So MailerLite definitely makes that easy. But anyway, we're not talking about <laughs> we can easily get it lost into the email list totally. realm. Because <laughs> those two, there's so many great platforms, though. But those are definitely, to me, two of the stable ones at yeah. the moment. <laughs> Who knows what the future holds? Yeah, never so, know. <laughs> that's great. So I love I do love the name like Sullivan Gray is an awesome pen name. And so you did do some research, like you said, before you went and chose something you chose something that fit the urban fantasy genre and you wanted to make sure no one else was already using it. Yeah. So like, if you're coming to think about a pen name, I mean, there's personal reasons. And then there's like practical reasons. And I think it's totally fine to mix them. So when I started with Clean Romance, I chose a name. Um, my name there's Emma St. Clair. And I feel like Emma is one of those names. It's like friendly and happy. Like you can't not like Emma, right? It just sounds <laughs> like a, <laughs> um, a little touch of old fashioned. Yes. Sort of you've got the, the Jane Austen. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. St. Clair was my maiden name. And really, that was a risk because it's one of those names that always gets miscategorized because it has a period in it. And it's like ST period space Claire. And so like my whole life, I grew up getting like having everything lost because it would be like some people put it like file under SA for Saint, like spelling it out, even though it's not or they would put it like under STC or they'd put it under C for Claire. Anyway, it hasn't caused a problem. But afterwards, I was like, what was I thinking? But it was more sentimental. Like, let's put something out with my maiden name, you know, bring the family name on. Um, and then with the, uh, but yeah, I absolutely looked at like, okay, is there someone like on Amazon with this name or one really similar? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, is the website available? And then with Sullivan Gray, um, I did go in and kind of look. And I think sometimes with, um, you know, a lot of the why, depending on what, genre you're writing in sort of a more androgynous name, like whether it, you don't know whether it's a guy or a girl. And we actually love the name Sullivan and we're going to use it for a girl. And we ended up not using it and we're done having kids. Um, <laughs> we we're going to call her Sully. And I just thought that was adorable. So I love, oh. I love strong girl names and I love last mm -hmm. names as first names. And Sullivan Gray just had that ring to it that felt, it, a little, it felt like kind of cool and powerful and just like a good fit for that. But it also was like a name that I totally loved. And uh, the website URL was taken, but not by anyone who's actually using it. So I just have author Sullivan Gray oh, uh, But everything else, too. yeah, is there. And I will say like, you definitely want to search that because <laughs> this is hilarious. Last night I was on I'm in some, you know, one of those um, I'm in a ton of Facebook groups, right for research and oh, promotion, yeah. whatever else. <laughs> but there was one and it was like a um, Christian Kindle reads or something. 
and one popped up and it was about like prophecy and COVID-19. And I was like, I, I don't, I'm not really into that at all. Just FYI. So, but I clicked on it because I was like, who is this? Because the person posting, like I didn't, it was posted under a different name. And so I think mm-hmm. it's the person I was like, is this a pen name? This is the kind of stuff I nerd out about. So anyway, I clicked through and um, I couldn't really tell. This looks like that author's first book. So again, I think it's a pen name from somebody. So I clicked on the pen name itself. And that name is really close to two different erotica authors. And so when you oh. click on their name, you see that book, Prophecy and Biblical, whatever. And then it's like this giant list of like really raunchy covers. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. man, you really you really should have done a quick search on, on Amazon on beforehand. One. Yeah, because it wasn't like it was the same name, but it was two names close enough that the whole first page, if you go look for the author, is all erotica. And I was like, I don't think this is where you wanted your book to show up. So anyway, a quick search. <laughs> save definitely. you, save you a lot funny. of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely thought of it like, oh, well, if you're going to write like children's literature and erotica, you definitely need a pen name. But that's sort of the other, oh, gosh. <laughs> the other thing is yes. if you're writing children's literature and you're choosing a pen name, make sure it isn't close to something that you yes. don't want kids to stumble on and you might not think that but like you no. know you, you definitely you don't always know oh. until you search things and then then you know so it's definitely better to search first and at least search first yes someone else can obviously come along and choose something and totally jumble up the whole thing later but at least maybe hopefully yes. you'll be established by then yeah hopefully i mean yes people can totally yes come along and mess all those things up so <laughs> they always do That was the other thing, though. I mean, thinking of pen names when I was choosing, you know, I'm going to write this dystopian post-apocalyptic series and I have this fantasy platform and I was thinking of my readers and I was, I honestly, I think it was the same thing. You know, you're busy, you have a life and a job. I didn't have kids, but I have, you know, a husband and hobbies and a dog that is my kid, is my fuzzy child. (laughs) And I, we were traveling and doing a whole bunch of things. And I thought, oh my goodness, I do not want to start at square one again. I don't want to start all over. But do you think it's not so bad because you can tell your other platform, hey, if you're interested, I'm starting this? Or did you feel like you really, it took that slow churn and burn to finally build up an audience under a pen name? Yeah, it took time and it, and I'm still building like, you know, the urban fantasy doesn't make as much money right now as the clean romance does. Those, the clean romance readers are just voracious. So, yeah. um, you know, and I'd really already been established. That was the advice I kept hearing because I was ready. I had a book ready to launch, mm-hmm. um, you know, like six to nine months after I started the clean romance pen name, but I was at um, the 20 books to 50 K conference. And I think in like four different sessions, I heard people say like, make sure you're established before you switch and um, into a new genre. And I was like, okay, I've got the book done, but there's no rush, even though I love the mm-hmm. book. So we'll just wait. And that was a great choice because even when I think it was like 18 months later, even when I launched, you know, I took a big income hit because I took a break writing mm-hmm. the clean romance, which was making money. And I also, um, bad timing, took a break on ads because I was like, I don't know if these are fully working. They were. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Turning off your ads lets you know really quick whether they're working or not. Um, Very true. But it does take some time to establish. And, you know, I think you absolutely can't, you don't have to do a pen name. Absolutely. If you know how to do marketing, if you know how to write, you can totally get away, especially if you're, um, you know, if the, the genres are similar enough and might have some crossover, but if you're doing really different ones, and again, mine really felt pretty different because there are some people who feel really strongly in the clean romance 
against the whole like paranormal <laughs> supernatural stuff. Like they're not just like, I don't like it. They're like, I abhor it. You know, like I wow, will not, yeah. you know, there's just a pretty strong reaction there. Um, and a lot of my readers who read my, uh, young adult stuff, even though my young adult stuff's clean. I mean, my goal is to, I'm not marketing it necessarily as clean. That's just my goal in my own, you know, kind of the line that I've drawn, but I want my books to be good enough that they stand up with books that aren't holding back on anything so that people, and and what I found is those readers over there are reading all kinds of stuff. They're reading reverse harem, they're reading steamy Mm -hmm. stuff, they're reading all kinds, um, and they still like my books, but they're probably not going to cross over either. So I think that's really the thing to consider is, do you have the time? Um, how different are your genres? Um, mm-hmm. But it is it is pretty hard to start. But if you, again, if you have like the background and know, if you've already done it once, you absolutely can do it again, <laughs> right? Um, it, yes, it was true. You just- And do it maybe a little bit better <laughs> second yeah. time. And you know, kind of where not to waste time. Um, you know, so for me, I, I found some author groups and connected and we were writing, um, you know, I started out, I launched with doing like a um, an academy series. And so that was really mm. hot last year. Um, I was kind of at the tail end, but it still did really well. And there's there were Facebook groups for academy readers. And so, um, you know, I got into some like promotions with like book funnel with other authors who were also doing nice. academy reads and, th- and things like that. And so, um, you know, I already knew how to do it. I, uh, took a couple days and wrote like a 12,000 word short story that was a prequel to the academy series. Mm-hmm. And I used that to build my list. And so, you know, within a couple months, I built up a couple thousand people just because there are people out there who want to read things for free. And yes, there's freebie seekers, right? We all oh, like right. with emails, we hate that. But if you grab someone enough with your writing, if they get it and actually read it, you you might be hooking a reader for a long time. And so I've had good results from, from using that freebie. Um, and also it pulls people right into my paid works. And so um, it, it, it is a pain. I was I was kind of excited to see like, okay, how well can I do this again? Because <laughs> um, for me, a lot of it's a test because then I go in and share that on the podcast and talk to other authors about it. So right. in some ways, like even if I fail, it's like, okay, well, now I have something to share. Like, don't do this. <laughs> and, I, you know, I never shy away from sharing that. You know, I share my big Absolutely. income months that I share when like I totally screwed things up, <laughs> uh, both of them. But yeah, you don't have to do it. I just think your struggle is going to be a little harder if you're not using a pen name and you're writing in two genres that don't have a ton of crossover or, mm-hmm. um, or you know, again, like if you haven't written a lot of books, if you've only written three books and two of them are in clean romance and one of them is urban fantasy. So when people go to your author page and they just see those three books, Right. It's a little more muddy. Whereas if they see like 20 books and there's some differences in there, it's a little bit more um, of a solid feeling that people can get because they know you're established. You're not just jumping around and they can find a couple different of this kind and a couple different of this kind. So um, yeah, you don't have to do a pen name. It just for marketing, it can be a lot easier to be clear and with those reader expectations. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good tip is, you know, being established in one. So, you know, finish your first series or a trilogy, have that under your belt, have that platform established before you launch another book. Because I do see that I've, I know when I was doing it, I wrote an entire trilogy, and then I wrote this dystopian series, and then I did another trilogy back in epic fantasy. So I felt like I really knew what I was doing. But I have seen met so many authors who it's like, they've started five different series, and they have just the first books out. And maybe they were just Mm -hmm. attempting a novella to see if it was going to sell. 
But if you don't have anything complete yet, it just, it does. It looks confusing. And you're kind of like, where are you? Mm-hmm. Are you finishing this? Is it going to continue? It's its definitely a little, um, it makes you question what's going on. And it takes longer to search through things and see if you can find the next book that you're interested in. It's well, so much prettier to see the whole series. Oh, totally. And it's a thing about building trust, right? Like we want readers who don't just read one book, they read all of our books. And I found that it's really easy to break that trust. And so if you're, you know, because I'm a huge reader too, I read a, probably a book a day. Oh and my goodness. It's my escape right now. <laughs> totally escape. Um, but you know, it, when an author like leaves a series forever it, it, or is writing four different at once, like it's hard. And then you have a lot of readers who will say things like, well, I won't read till the series complete. And then on the author side of this author's like, well, this series isn't making money. I'm going to drop it. And so mm-hmm. it's like working against each other. So I totally understand why some authors write in multiple because sometimes also just creatively some people need a break or a palate cleanser or something else but as a reader like you just want them to finish that series and um clean romance it's a little bit easier because often if you're having a series it's a standalone series right because each Mm, book has to have a happy ever after um in romance and uh yeah so you you know i have related series so i'll have characters from one book you know then they're the main and the next yeah which people love and and sometimes i'll make the decision based on like i'll get a bunch of reviews where everybody's asking for this one character and i was like all right Mm. all right one there you go but you want it so we'll (laughs) we'll do that but um yeah when you're coming in into and and i do have a series like that in in the young adult where i'm it's been way too long since i've gone back to the second book but it didn't sell as well and it's kind of more of um a love series. And so I have people asking about it, but they, it didn't sell as well. And not as many people are asking. So I'm just doing what I can, right. You have to balance out oh, you do. You know, your own life, <laughs> and your, what you, what you can actually do. And, and also um, what the readers want, because you do want to build that trust and establish, you know, a relationship where they know what to expect from you. Cause again, I keep saying expectations and expecting, but like that mm-hmm. is, that's kind of the currency for trust is is the readers have expectations and you give them expectations, um, whether you mean to or not, whether you outright say, I'm going to publish a book a month. If you start publishing a book a month, they start to expect that. And so, That's true. Um, you know, we need to kind of communicate that really well. And unfortunately, not everybody joins your email list. They may be fans. You know, I had a book that um, in the clean room, it said I ended up moving from one series to another and renaming it. And uh, when I first put it back up, the note about that was in the book, but I had forgotten to put it on the Amazon sales page and immediately got a one-star review from someone who had read it before and then bought it again. Um, and, you know, I, I was like, they were like, you didn't say it anywhere. I'm, and like, I had it, but but Amazon also chooses where the book starts, right? So it started after the note. And so, um, and, and there were massive changes, but whatever, I understand. I would be tick too, especially if they're not reading through KU and they actually paid full price for two of these books. Um, so, you know, that was a failure on my part. We've got to really, you know, meet those expectations and, and try to keep that currency of trust with the readers uh, to keep them knowing that they could trust us and knowing they're not always going to be on our email list. They might, and I have a lot of authors I read, but I'm not going to sign up for the email list because my inbox is jammed, <laughs> like, <laughs> jammed all, but I'll read all their books. So. Yeah, I remember when I first published and first started email lists like back in 2013. And it was back when it was new. And you figured the readers were like, kind of like, Oh, I can actually like talk to an author. Now I just, I can't imagine it's like another email list. What? Yeah. 
<laughs> I just, I know I go through my every month or so, I'm just deleting and unsubscribing from everyone. So I can imagine what poor readers are going through. But it is a great way to get into books and learn more about stories. So I, you know, I think of that whenever I sit down to write my newsletter is, what can I do to make this interesting, not take up too much of their time and show how much I appreciate that they sp- didn't like opt out already. Yes, absolutely. You don't want to, yeah, email. I mean, yeah, that's a whole bunch of episodes on itself. But, you know, yeah, you don't want to like bother them. But you also like that's another way of of trust. It's another way of building that relationship. And I think in a lot of ways, it's, it is more intimate. Because for some people, like for me, again, like you have been doing this forever. So it's obvious, like when you hit reply, like you expect that it's going to the author. And it's like a weird thing if you get one of those, if you've ever gotten the form emails, like <laughs> so-and-so has read your, and you're like, oh my gosh, like just turn that autoresponder off because that makes it feel super impersonal. But, you know, I'll have people hit reply. And then when I reply back, they're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> the author's emailing me and they get so excited. And so it really does have this personal feel to it. it. And um. Yeah, but but yeah, you'll for sure have people who aren't on your list. And that's fine too if they read everything, but you just got to make sure like okay, like I I screwed up. I didn't put that note r- mm. really clearly on the page. That was We're you know, only human. And I you meant have five to. kids and yes. there's a pandemic. And yeah. Totally. As soon as <laughs> I saw the yeah, as soon as I saw the review, I was like, oh, I knew I forgot something and went and added it and, you know, but too late. That's fine. But hopefully the reader comes back, but hopefully. yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. We just do our best, right? Provide good books, provide information, keep the trust. But And I do. I I am totally a, oh, please learn from my failure. I think life is an experiment and I'm happily to be my own guinea pig. So I do the exact same thing. I think we would get along that way if I was closer to Texas, that it's just kind of like, you know, you do it, you try it, you tell people about it, you move on. It's fine. You're helping someone else. You're learning the hard way for somebody else. I yes, I am fine being the person who jumps into the fire. Uh, so far, I'm a phoenix, so we're good. <laughs> we'll hope yeah, that we're still up. going, right? We're still writing, so no mistake right. that was permanent. Just ones we no. moved on from. That's right. I still I do love that advice, though. Just if you're thinking about writing a new genre, um, to go to like your book page. Or, you know, one of your books and think about what's going to show up on your also bots and does it fit? And if it's the cover's not going to look right, if the readers would not go pick that book, that's probably a really good time to think about doing a pen name and starting those steps. Yeah, absolutely. So is there any other takeaway tips you want to throw out there before we wrap up? Well, I would just say, you know, for the people, if we haven't really touched on the privacy issue, if there is anybody Mm. out there, if you're trying to do this for privacy and not have your pen name associated, I think that's where it gets a little bit uh, trickier, but you know, you can, um, I just had somebody asking me about this this morning in my Facebook group. Um, But you know, you can buy a domain name, you can add, you definitely want to add the privacy on because otherwise you're going to be getting, (laughs) it's a little bit more per year, but you're going to be getting emails and your email could be publicly associated with it. Um, Facebook, I I find a lot of authors doing this, but Facebook, um, you really are not allowed to have more than one personal profile and the personal profile is where you add friends, right? Mm -hmm. The page is where you get likes. So you can have multiple pages, but you can only have one profile. So I see a lot of authors trying to add a second profile, um, under their pen name and it, you know, you may get away with it, but if Facebook finds out they can take away your whole account. And if you're, you know, 
that that matters, right? Like if you're advertising <laughs> yeah. and things like that on Facebook, like that matters to lose that whole platform. And so, um, but you can have a page and have that be anonymous. You can most groups now, like if you're using groups to promote, um, mm-hmm. most of them allow you to join as that page. And so you can do that, but uh, there are ways to do it if you uh, want privacy, but you're going to have to make sure you're not like secretly telling a few family and friends because then, yeah, your also bots might get jacked up and connect to <laughs> your other pin name. So it is, it can be a little bit harder to keep that separate, um, but it's totally possible as well if you're doing it for that reason, not just a marketing reason. Yeah. I've always considered it's sort of a nightmare. There are, you should know a little bit about IP and IP security if you're doing it because there really is a privacy concern because it's hard. It's amazing how well people can link things if they really want to trace where something is coming from. So you have to be very cautious. Well, thank you so much, Kirsten. This was really fantastic. And tell, I will put links in the show notes, but if you want to tell folks uh, where to find you, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Well, if you're interested in learning more author stuff and getting another perspective, not just on fantasy, but other things, (laughs) you can just go to createifwriting.com and you can find links to the podcast and my Facebook community there. And yep, I do talk about the pen names there as well. (laughs) So you can find those. But yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was great to be on. Yes, it was so wonderful. I love that I got a chance to talk to you. And so next week, Jesper will be back and we'll be having a lovely discussion on developing your author brand and what it is. So please stay tuned and we look forward to seeing you. Stay safe out there. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com slash AmWritingFantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday. <laughs>